Hello and welcome, welcome to, to The, the Smut, Smut Show, Show, a weekly podcast from your new internet book besties. We discuss all things spicy books and mix in a little bit of motherhood, life, self-care, and everything in between. So sit back, grab a beverage, and let's chat. Hello and welcome to The Smut Show. I'm Rachel. I'm Neely, and we are here with Chloe Lisa. So Chloe writes romances reflecting her belief that everyone deserves a love story. Her stories pack a punch of heat, heart, and humor, and often feature characters who are neurodivergent like herself. When not dreaming up her next book, Chloe spends her time wandering in nature, playing soccer, and most happily at home with her family and mischievous cats. Chloe, thanks for joining us. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm really glad to be here. Thank you. Rachel, we're literally talk about- been talking about you like since we started the podcast and raving about your books and like insisting that you come on. So I know this is like, look at her. She's so excited. She's like, I'm losing, I'm losing it a little bit. She's we like a child on Christmas. Made a list when we first so we just started the podcast in March. And when we Neely and I first got together, we were like, okay, let's make a list of like dream authors that we'd love to have on and your name was at the top of the list and so I am so thrilled to have you here even my husband my husband was like I'm gonna take my sorry you guys I'm taking my earring out because it's like banging against my um earpod I'm like getting ready for a fight um so (laughs) um, my even my husband tonight was like wait this is the Bergman Brothers author. I'm like, oh. he knew. He knew. I was like, yes, it is. It is. I so. could mention a book or an author to my husband, and he'd be like, is it the vicar? Like from Friends. <laughs> the vicar. Um, my husband's not a reader. Yeah. So. Well, uh, Brian has not read any of your books, Chloe, but um, he knows who the Bergmans are because Aww. I talk about them. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. I'm really, really glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Okay, let's hop into our one and five star moments. Uh, we're a little bit unhinged tonight, and I don't we know why. We say that every time, as if we're we not do. always unhinged, but we're extra unhinged tonight. We are. Um, Neely, what's your what's your one and five star? I'm going to start with your... my five star. Okay, perfect. Um, work has been really great lately I mean like it's it's always good but holiday gets really busy um and that's actually been like pretty fun um I got to record a fun reel with my kids about a book like a grumpy monkey book or a campaign and that was fun um it's always fun when I get to do a sponsored post with my kids um it's interesting because like I don't show their faces on social media so like it's always tricky but it was fun. Um, it's also been really fun. This is nerdy, but Charlotte had book fair last week and Liam has book fair this week. This is also part of my one star moment. But um, it's just been really fun to see how excited they get about books because um, I love I've the book before, fair. But my so my first grader is dyslexic, which I've talked about before, um, but he is in the dyslexia program now. And so he's like really learning how to read. And so he's just been like really excited about getting new books um so that's been fun and my one star moment is it's tuesday and i feel like i've lived seven lives this week it's just been so busy between work and kids and me over volunteering myself for things um rachel had to yell at me at the beginning because I i was telling her how um i have to go up to the school on friday and 
turn the first grade classrooms into bat caves for bat week next week. Chloe's face right now is how I feel about it too. Um, Guys. And I'm like. Listen, it's here's that the week. thing. <laughs> it's that week. Okay. No. And then the other, and then yesterday we got emailed, This is the like, dumbest shit. I yesterday love being we a mom. Also, I hate this shit. As, as a school in a whole, I can't speak. Um, we got emailed Red Ribbon Week is coming up, okay? And so mm-hmm. instead of just five days of dress up, it's seven because we have to do it through Halloween. And I'm like, guys, like, and most of them are easy. It's like, wear your favorite sports team. I'm like, we got that covered. Like, wear a college t-shirt. My problem, though, We're is good. I forget. Like, I don't care how many calendars I write it on. Do you I will remember forget. the end of the year when Liam had 26 like a month? days? Yes, it, it was, was the letters of the alphabet. Days. It was the letter of the alphabet, and each day was a different thing. And I was like, guys, no. Like, no. You know, we, in our first grade moms group text today, we were talking about stuff. And one of the moms was like, no is a complete sentence. And I was like, I need to be better yes. about that. And I'm not. Yes. But one of the days is 50s day, and we don't have anything. And I'm like, I'm not buying anything. No. Like, if we don't have it. And I sent a screenshot to my friend, and I was like, yeah, there's book character day. It's like, you know, can't can't dress up in your Halloween costumes. Yeah. You have to be a book character. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm going to have Liam dressed in his Halloween costume because his Halloween costume is Santa. And there is no shortage of books about Santa. Um, And so I was like, oh, I'm just going to like throw a cape on him. And my friend Lauren was like, better make sure you have that book. They're going to check your work. And I was like, I'm dying because it's like on the thing, it says must bring the book. And I'm like, guys. (laughs) Wow. It's gone too far. Um, And then my funny one-star moment is that I sent a rather unhinged text to somebody. I was supposed to send something and have it end in a period, but I had it in an exclamation point, and it was, like, not an exclamation point. I was like, I'm in a weird mood, and I put a sort of a period with an exclamation point, and I feel like I was yelling at my friend, and I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that exclamation mark. Like, have y'all seen those texts where it's like, I don't know, you know, I never know like what's made up on the internet, right? But there's like those texts where the mom thinks that LOL means lots of love. And so she sends a text and she's like, your grandma died, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) So sorry. Speaking of LOL, Charlotte's learning how to write funny. And it's a long name, Charlotte. So she can only write the L and the O and the L. And so she writes her name LOL right now. And it is the funniest thing. Like, she hands every day when I pick her up from the school, she hands me like a paper of something she drew. And it and just says LOL. It always on it. says the LOL on the back. And her teacher today was like, Does she know what that means? And I'm like, No, I think she's trying to write her name. Gosh. Which is, well, that's hilarious. She's three, by the way. Like, for those listening who don't know, she's not like a seven year old doing this. She's three. And she has I mean, a. Even long if name. she were seven doing this, I would think that's <laughs> well, hilarious. I told you about how Liam. Have I told you about how Liam writes his name? No. He writes his name Liam and then dot, dot, dot. And we're like, why dot, dot, dot? Like, I can't even talk right now. And he's like, because there's always more to come. <laughs> that's amazing. And I, and I were like, so ominous. <laughs> People have tuned out of the podcast now. They're like, I can't. Oh, dot, dot, dot. Oh, man. Because there's That's always hilarious. more to come. I mean, kids, right? Like, today, oh. I was getting Charlotte out of the car, and she's like, I need you to carry this stuff. I only have two hands. And I was like, wow, you really listened to my passive-aggressive talking to your dad too much. 
Oh, yeah, man. I say that uh, the amount of times today, I'm like, mommy only has two hands. Yeah. And now, now she's saying now it. it's and coming back to bite you. We're going to let other people talk about their one in five star. Oh, man. I'm, that I'm was funny. <laughs> That's great. Thank you for that. Okay. Um, my five star <laughs> moment is uh, first of all, it's like the perfect uh, weather in Texas right now. And I know we oh, yeah. like make fun of whenever we talk about the weather on the podcast, which is every week. Guys, it's it the is. one week we're going to have nice weather because we but only get it's one a week thing in Texas. So we get one week. This is it. So we've spent so much time outside. It's been lovely. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw that my feral children are just like one with nature right now. And I'm like, you get this week and that's it. Um, so it's been really nice. We had dinner. We had picnic dinner out on the deck tonight. It was great. We broke out coats for my kids this week. Oh, they were so stunning. I don't know if they wore a jacket to school today, but I told them to before I left. So who knows? But um, it's been great. My one star. Um, well, first of all, my four year old came home with a hundred and two degree fever today, but I don't believe her um, because she was fine by the time I got home. Um, and then I was telling Neely before we got on, I feel like my life lately has been, Chloe, are you a Friends watcher? Like, did you ever watch Friends? I didn't watch it regularly. Okay. There I did enjoy what I did watch. It was, it was, it's, an, a, great, it's a great show. Um, yeah. There is a, an episode in the first season and Neely like knows the title of it. What's the title of the episode? It's- uh, the one with five steaks and an eggplant. Mm-hmm. Five steaks and I an eggplant. I know this plant. because one, Andrew and I watch Friends every night, and two, we literally watched it yesterday. <laughs> okay. So. I was like, you really came out with that earlier. I was like, that. We, yes, I mean, we, sure. We literally watched it yesterday. When I saw this on the notes, I was like, I need to know where this is going. <laughs> okay. So I feel like just my life lately, I feel like is that there's a scene in Friends where Rachel – and I just relate because we're named the same thing, um, orders a side salad. And then the waiter's like, yes, on the side of what? And she's like, on the side of my water. And then like everybody else. And then they go and they split the check. And she's like, but I only ordered a side salad. Like, why are we splitting the check? You guys got steaks and cocktails. With and her grains and fruits. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I feel like my life is like lately. I feel like Rachel and Friends, who's ordering a side salad, and everybody's like, but let's split the check. <laughs> and she's Could've like, no. That cocktail. <laughs> I know. So that's where I, that's my one star moment. Very vague of me, <laughs> but that's where I'm at. It's a vibe. I feel that. It's a vibe. Um, All right, Chloe. Well, I'll start with my five star. The past week, I got to do. Um, two events to celebrate my book, and I got to do them with just good friends who I don't get to see that often. Um, BK Borison, she's based out of DC, and then Sarah Adams, who's down in Nashville. And I just two um, other people I'm obsessed with, Rachel. Yeah, seriously, people. It's like I my, just love them as people and writers, and um, it just I get nervous, and I don't love being perceived slash center of attention, and like, but at the same time, I want to promote my books, and I want to. Yeah celebrate with my readers and I want to connect with them and make a space to do that. So it was just really nice to have events where I wasn't this giant jumble of social anxiety because I'm like, oh, I was my friends by Marco Polo every day. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love Marco Polo. Basketball. I write like we've got like our messy basketball buns on the top of our head. Yeah. <laughs> long, so my buns are really big and deranged. Yeah. Like <laughs> These are things, these are like topiaries on top of my head. Yeah. And 
I'm just like puffy eyes and like incoherent, but like they're, they're my people. And so it was just really easy to talk. And like, they were both just really sweet. Becca came up to Pittsburgh for the event and we like went to a Barnes and Noble and met a bookseller who really like loves Becca's work. Um, and like she loves my stuff too, but she'd never been able to meet Becca. And so we got to do that. And then like down at Nashville, Sarah like very sweetly gave like the indie bookstores in Nashville the heads up that I was in town and they were like, have come sign stocks. We oh like gosh. did a little tour of Nashville indie bookstores and signed books and like drove around and painted our nails. And it was just like a really, uh, it was a good, um, yeah. and yeah. then my one star would be that in a combination of like sleep deprivation due to but just personal life schedule things. Like I managed to run a series of errands with my pants on backwards. Um, and <laughs> like my jogger pants and I, I have sensory issues. So sometimes like nothing feels good on your body. It's just like, yes, well, like, shit, I have to go out yeah. in public and I can't be naked. Yeah, so I got to wear pants. And apparently these pants are just feeling bad. <laughs> okay, but at least they were joggers and not like jeans. Yeah, but like, but was like it obvious? Bus- She'd probably know if it was jeans, Rachel. I discovered it in probably the most humiliating way, which was in the security video that's like the live feed as mm-hmm. you're doing self-checkout at Target. It's like, why is there all this First extra First of all, stuff? that video is mean to everybody. Okay? It is mean that to video, everybody. Like... I've never been on there and be like, wow, I look great today. I've been like, why do I look like a hobbit? And why do I look like a criminal? <laughs> why like, are do they I trying like this? me feel yeah. guilty? My daughter yeah. loves to do like, it's almost like she's at the fun house looking at the mirrors. Like she's just fascinated by like the. Oh my God. My son delay. is the same way. Yes. Like, she's just, like, He's over going, here like. Contortionist yeah. moves. <laughs> and, why like, are they doing this? He's <laughs> like, no target security. <laughs> and I'm like, please stop. You're before. like, please, no, please no. Before, we make someone mad. So that was my one star that I realized I had like, you know, my joggers on backwards. But at the end of the day, it was really reassuring that when I got home and put them on the correct way, they weren't as uncomfortable as I thought my clothes were. There like. you go. If it makes you feel better, the other day I was I almost put a thong on backwards and that is right. I was like, no, this is not the way that goes. I was really, I do really them important. inside out all the time. I oh, do my I've underwear done that a million times. Yeah. All oh, the yeah, time. All the time. And then I go to the bathroom for the first time in the day, like after I've left my house. And I'm like, oh, bless. Okay. Well, I guess this is just how we're leaving them. Yeah. (laughs) Too late now. Now I'm committed. Yeah. Yeah, It's a thing. I'm into it. This form of underwear today. Yeah. To the bed. (laughs) Okay. All right, Neely, what's a recent read you've loved? I read Hopeless by Elsie Silver, um, as did apparently everyone who follows us. I Every Friday, we post like a what are you reading this weekend? And overwhelmingly on Friday, yeah. it was Hopeless by Elsie Silver. I had an arc, but I really didn't read it until I guess everyone else read it. Um, there was this other stuff. I, you know, I, I'm i not as fast of a reader as I was earlier this year, apparently. Yeah. Um, life is busy. And I read at night like five pages and fall asleep. So. Um, I read Hopeless. I loved it. Uh, I sent Rachel my updated ranking of all of the Elsie Silver books, which she did not ask me for. I was just like, listen, here, here's my ranking. Because um, I was, Rachel was like, I finished it too. I was like, great. Um, and it was delightful. Uh, we both really liked it. I will say I, I needed a little bit more of a wrap up in the epilogue. But you know, we good. love an epilogue. 
Excuse me. I guess when 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 you know a series is finishing and you know like that's the last book in a series, I I like need to know that fifty years from now, like everyone's good. Fifty and years, not really, but like I think I was spoiled by the playlist where Morgan Elizabeth literally goes, like, yeah, so she goes far really into the far. future, and I was like, I'm. You sent your kid off to college. I assume you guys. What are if fine. what if there's gonna be like an epilogue novella? Oh well, then that's fine. That would be great. I'm just making stuff up. Rachel's just making up stories now. That's not really happening. But um, and putting it into the universe. But I still I loved it. It was it was great. I know. I I am sad that Chestnut Springs has come to an end. It's always sad when a series ends. We'll talk about this with Chloe too, and (laughs) because because we have a series coming to an end here. But I think it's. Like you love those characters. It's it's bittersweet. You love those characters so much, and then you're like, you're happy that you got to hear everybody's story, but then you want more. You just always want more as a reader. So I do. Yeah. Like I wouldn't okay. be mad if there was like a spinoff with Daddy Kate and Willa. Like it wouldn't upset me. Well, and that's why I'm like, I think that the next series is going to be Ford, Willa's brother anymore. I okay. don't want to read about right. him. Okay. <laughs> I will. I, think, I just wasn't excited. It better yeah, be like a big redemption story. I'm like, you didn't want to read about winter either. And you're, you know what? Seldom wrong and right again. Here we are. Okay. My recent read uh, was Collide um, by Bal Cabra. Um, it is an indie hockey romance. Um, and we love hockey romance here on the podcast. Um, because hockey is uh, it's, it's just a foreign entity. We to live us. in football, and apparently, right now, baseball land. Yeah, yeah, with the Rangers, we know nothing about hockey, but we love hockey romance. Um, this one was a great one. It was college romance. Um, it is. I it hooked me on the cover. I am a sucker for a cover, and whoever says don't judge a book by its cover. Like I get the sentiment, but also I totally judge books by their cover. They're wrong. I judge every book based on its cover, which is why I will never read Haunting Adeline because the cover scares me. It's scary. Me. I know. Okay, but it's okay. I'm gonna read it for the for the for research. Um. Okay, but Collide had a great cover. Um. And it was really good. It's kind of um. It's a hockey romance, but she has to do. She's a sports psychology major, and so she has to do this like psychology project. Uh, and then she gets paired with the hockey captain, and she's like, "I'm never gonna date a hockey player because her dad was an NHL player." And they all- always start like that they always start like that and you know what i'm here for it every time so that was my that was my recent read chloe what have you read recently that you've loved um i've read a couple books lately that i really enjoyed um i enjoyed forget me not um by julie soto we had julie on the podcast she's a phenomenal human being yeah she's great um, and then with Love from Cold World, by Alicia Thompson was really, really oh, yeah. good. I just I feel like Alicia does this really nice job of like exploring just the very nuanced, soft parts of being a human and like how you can there's so many layers to us as people. And I feel like she just does that so well. And I think she writes really great banter. Um and I'm usually it, it kind of takes a special voice to really suck me into third person. Um, and I mm-hmm. was really taken in by how she wrote third person. Like Talia Hebert is my like gold standard for immersive third point, um, I third love person. Talia point of view. 
Yeah. Um, and I feel like Alicia's right there now. But then I would say the book that I like <clears throat> kind of just keep daydreaming about, like I love those books that linger with you. It's actually a historical romance by um, Adriana Herrera, and it's a Caribbean heiress in Paris. Um, and it's just a really interesting love story because it is about um, a woman from, well, it's, it's called like Hispaniola at that point, but like, mm-hmm. I believe it's what it was, what is now the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, and she inherits this rum, you know, this rum business, like her family's, like all the women in her family have made these rums and cordials and she's just, she's come across to Europe and she's trying to like take her business forward and she's just constantly running into like sexism of the business and racism because of her you know her identity and she gets um entangled with a very grumpy and protective scotsman who's there trying to sell his whiskey and it's just like um i love two alphas like an alpha Uh woman and an alpha and like oh man these two just bantered and barbed for days and like had great sexual tension and then they have good banter they, the, and I just love a marriage of convenience when people are like, this is just ooh, for business, but yes. let's bang a bunch, but we're not going to yeah. fall for each other. And it's like, no. yeah, okay. Okay. Um, like really- when there's only one bed and you're like, oh no, yeah. what do we do? Oh darn. Oh no. Oh darn, you have to get married for business purposes. Um, and you then- marry the hot you- billionaire. Fine. <laughs> But there was just really beautiful and profound and well done conversations about privilege and class Mm -hmm. and racism and patriarchy and um, just also about like the, the, um, oh my gosh, the aristocracy and like, you know, Mm -hmm. the inherited wealth and what that was built off of. And it was, it never felt preachy though, like preach all day about that. Yeah. (laughs) But it was just really beautifully woven into the story and poignant and so smart. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And I listened to the audiobook here and there because that was like, I could not put it down. So whenever I had to go get my kids from school, I was like, audiobook. <laughs> and I really loved the narrator. She did well, a great Well, that's what I was going to say is I feel like that would be a great audiobook. Like oh. with the accents, was yeah. there some Scottish yeah. accents in there? Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Oh, I'm there for that. <laughs> yeah, it's really that. good. Yeah. That's the one that can't stop Sometimes, about. so my husband, we've talked about this on the podcast. My husband's was a theater major, so he's got a theater background, and um, yeah. I love he he also loved because I'm I'm listening right now. We'll talk later about this. Um, to two wrongs make a right, and so we were talking about oh, kind of like um Shakespearean retellings and all of that. Yeah. Um, and he's a big Shakespeare guy, and he will like when he's like trying like when he's in trouble, right? He'll come in with like an Irish accent, and like talk to me i'm like okay okay oh, <laughs> i'm here for God. it i know i love it yeah it's so good so um i'm always here for an accent especially in an audiobook mm-hmm. it works really well it's oh great. yeah oh yeah okay all right are y'all ready to get into the interview yeah as yes. i've got like this we're in like this in between season in texas where all the mosquitoes are coming out so sorry if i'm like waving my hands all over the place oh my all god right. speaking of that charlotte had once again these like massive welts on her from mosquitoes my daughter and son are they're both, the like, worst allergic to mosquito bites and i don't know what they're feeding these mosquitoes in texas right now but they are like next level yeah Oof. it's horrible it's so yeah, bad it's gross. okay chloe the first question we always do, you have to tell us about yourself, and we call this, like, your villain origin story. So where are you from? How would you get into writing? What's your background? Ready, go. 
Okay. Well, I am from Pittsburgh, though I spent a lot of my childhood in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I went to Pitt and I was a lit major there. I actually minored in theater. So nice. Theater nerds unite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I had originally thought when I was in college that I would be a teacher, teach like high school English and, you know, direct the the school play and just be a big old dork. But, you know, the recession hit and I just like had to get a job. You know, um, my, he was at that point, my fiance, we just had no money and I was like, all right, I'm just getting a job. So I worked as a paralegal for a while. And then I started having kids. And when I had girl, my my older daughter, I just definitely went through a lot of like anxiety and which was, of course, triggered by my sleep deprivation and mm-hmm. my sense of like, profound, oh my gosh, how am I doing this right? Am I, am I going to traumatize her? Or am I going to do this? Like I was just in my head and really struggling. And I just kind of stumbled upon romance and just reading it, knowing that it was going to give me that guaranteed resolution and it was going to give me mm-hmm. the happy thing really was yep. good for my anxiety. Um, so, you know, I was working part-time out of my home. I had a baby. So I had a good bit of reading time, um, like in the evening or when she'd be napping and I didn't have deadlines or projects. And um, I just read a lot and I it just started getting like kind of um, lonely and a little frustrated by how often it felt like these stories and, and not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, it mm-hmm. felt like we're just always portraying this sort of picture perfect reality of um, bodily like size and and um, uh, econo- economic status and like mm-hmm. background and like there was just everything was too fine and easy and I it just started to like grate on me and so I started digging around and trying to find like disability rep and mm-hmm. and chronic condition rep and romance and some of it I thought was really well done and some of, some of it I thought was awful <laughs> I was like I just I feel like I want to tell some stories about people like me I'm neurodivergent I have chronic conditions um mm-hmm. I like a blanket of autoimmune disorders. I've got celiac disease. Um, and I go through phases of my life where my body's super cooperative and phases where it really is not. And I never know when that's going to be. Um, and then, of course, just all the social components of like your mental health and how that intersects with being neurodivergent. And so I just um, I started writing stories about that. Um, and then, you know, as I got deeper into writing and I learned a lot about how, you know, to write um what I aspire to is like authentic and positive representation. So like really working in authenticity sources before I even write the book. Um, and it's just, it's really built a beautiful community of people who I've gotten to, you know, interview and who read these stories and give me critique and, and who give me that stamp of approval by the time the book's out that they feel seen and validated in the representation. If it's not, you know, my lived experience and even sometimes it is. And I just make sure they have their eyes on it too. But yeah. Yeah. So I just, I, I cultivated that in the Bergman Brothers series, which is this big interconnected um, standalone series, um, sort of in the Bridgerton style for, for those who are fans of that Netflix series and the, and the books is every book is about a sibling and their partner. Um, and I grew up best friends with a couple people who were one of nine and one of 10 kids. So oh I was gosh. around big families a lot. And I just, I had a lot of material to work with. And I loved that messy, complexity of the connection, but also like the fraught and strained relationship dynamics and how they changed as we, as we changed, as we grew from being, I'd met them when I was in seventh grade. And then by the time I was, you know, 
my senior in high school, a lot had changed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I leaned into that dynamic and then I started writing Shakespeare retellings too, because my theater background, I love Shakespeare and I loved the idea of engaging in those plays and, um, showing people like me and the people I love in Shakespeare, you know, with chronic conditions, disabilities, neurodivergence, and to kind of dig into maybe how Shakespeare made space for those realities then, but how I could do it more overtly in my romances. Yeah. I relate to so much of what you just said, just talking about like, especially I feel like I kind of dove into romance after my first was born and just like finding the need for like, I needed the formula. I needed the happily ever after. And like, I still feel like I'm in that space. I don't know that I'll ever be out of that space. Um, But I think it's so, and we talk a lot on the podcast too, Neely and I both of like having just different lived experiences ourselves, but then also, um, with our kids, like both of our oldest are ADHD and, um, kind of the importance for us to see like neurodivergence and chronic illness and all of that in books. And you do it so, so well. Um, so what, why you kind of talked a little bit about why that was important to you, but, um, can you give us a little bit more about why, like what was missing when you were reading and why you felt like that was something you needed to, a space you needed to enter into? Yeah. I mean, well, I will, I'll preface this by saying that there's a lot more disability, chronic illness, mental health, neurodivergent rep now in romance than there was even a Absolutely. year and a half, two years ago. It's changing um, so fast, I feel like. Wonderful. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I've been at this for three years and yeah. it was definitely just fewer and farther between. It was, it was harder to find. Um, and, you know, Toni Morrison has this quote, I'm going to paraphrase it, but I always refer to it and it's something along the lines of, if there's a book you want to read and you can't find it, you must be the one to write it. Mm-hmm. And so again, I'm not the only one doing this. And yeah. at the time though, I didn't see enough of it. And I thought, okay, well, I want to do this. And why I wanted to do that was because, and I don't know if this is because my brain is very literal, uh, you know, being neurodivergent, being on the autism spectrum for me, it's like, I, I take things at face value often. And it felt like the implicit messaging to run into story after story after story after story where she's tiny and she orgasms with just, you know, three thrusts of penetration. They all orgasm so quick. I will tell you, like every time I read a book and I must just be immune to it now because I read so much romance that I'm like, the fact these women have orgasms every time they have sex and usually multiple is wild to me. And wild wild to me that how often it's written by a woman and i'm like really guys well and we have internalized the male gaze right we have internalized mm. the, yeah. and that's it too it's like the internalized misogyny the messages and a lot of this stuff and i again some people are like you're making way too much of romance it's just supposed to be easy and fun it's like okay but let's make it it's just as escapist to say a woman can have a bunch of orgasms as it is to say a man can give her a bunch of orgasms this way. Like, why do we have to favor it toward a man? I'm yeah. sorry. This is my escape space. Listen, and if I'm going just... to veer to any extreme, it's to a man who does his damn homework and figures out <laughs> how to play a woman like a string quartet. Yes, you know, like that. So Snaps. if we're going to, like, I'm sorry. So all that to say, 
I really just, I didn't like the messaging that it felt like was coming through that made me feel alienated. Like, well, I don't orgasm like that. Or like, I have stretch marks all these different places in my body. And like, sometimes my knee gives out when I'm walking. Or sometimes I have bloated belly because celiacs Mm -hmm. slash my intestines. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I can eat like a cucumber. And it's like, let's put you in writhing agony for no reason and make it look like you swallowed a balloon. Like, I have so little control over my body. And there's so many parts of my body that I have had to unlearn horrible messaging about to have shame for or to think I should think aren't beautiful. You know, I'm 5'10", so I'm never this dainty little woman. Uh, I was smaller than my ex-husband. Like, and I always like, I never saw that messaging, you know, or like just even that it's like fine for a woman to be as tall as her partner. I was like, he can't throw me over his shoulder. Like, I don't know, just all stuff about. And I just wanted people like it was like their their struggles or these realities of their bodies were erased. And I feel like the messaging was then because if that's here, then you can't be loved and you can't yeah. be sexy and you can't be desirable. And it's like, that's bullshit. But it yeah. is a big part of what our culture does. Our ableist culture, our culture that's afraid of sickness, chronic conditions, because I think it all honestly tethers to our fear of mortality because sick people mm. – and chronically ill people and disabled people make us think about the fragility of our bodies and the fact that we're all going to die one day. Yeah, so we yeah, don't want to talk about it and we definitely don't want to make them sexy and we definitely don't want them foregrounded in our culture and in our happy stories. But I was like, I'm not doing that. I am celebrating these people because I am those people and these are the people I love. And I have friends who the moment we walk into anywhere, they're like, okay, where's the bathroom in case I'm yeah. not shit pants? Or yeah. my friend being like, hey, we're going to make sure that this is an accessible space because yeah. we need to make sure she can get in here or get yeah. out or use yeah. the bathroom or yeah. like the care that my friends take and making sure when we plan a group outing, hey, make sure it's somewhere Chloe can eat. Like, yeah. you know, or just even that this is too loud and bright. Like Chloe's not going to like that because that's a yep. club. Yeah. This is just how my friends know me and love me. This is yeah. like the core of our intimacy. And so I just really wanted to write stories where these these vulnerable parts of who we are as people, um, that I think a lot of what our cultural messaging says, we should be afraid to trust people can love us for them and that they yeah. are somehow going to be the deal breakers or actually the things that are just simply part of who these people are that do mm-hmm. sometimes take you know trust and a sure. risk, vulnerability. Yeah. But that they are bridges to intimacy and to show how beautiful it is for people to show these parts of themselves that they think are fundamentally unlovable and find someone who says, I love you for that. Yeah. Because I think even if you have no chronic conditions or no disabilities or you're as neurotypical as they come, there's something about you that you think someone can't love you. Everybody has something. Like I talk about this with friends um, about our kids a lot because I feel like it's really hard. And I I mean, we're all moms, so we can relate when you have kids and they aren't necessarily like, like everybody else Mm -hmm. and you worry about them and you worry, are they going to get picked on or Mm -hmm. are they going to have a hard time? And, you know, the more I've been an elementary school mom now and like talk to other moms and realize that literally every kid has something, whether it's a speech issue or a reading issue or you know, they're so shy that like, just the idea of speaking to other people, like, like every kid has something. Because we're all unique humans. We're, we're all, all unique humans. Yeah. But you know, I, I, it's funny, because like, you think about it as your as yourself, like, will mm-hmm. I be accepted? And then when you become a parent, it's even 
more so magnified because yeah. all you care about is that your children are happy yeah. and you yeah. worry so much. And it's funny because like in preschool, I feel like you just like don't think about that because they're all weird and like all three and four and five yeah. year olds are just like strange kids. Like <laughs> yeah. they're just all, they're all weird. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Cause I mean, like we went to a thing at Charlotte's school the other night. It was like tour your child's classroom. There was a kid eating leaves off of a plant. And I'm like, see, they're yeah, all like, whatever. They all got yeah. their own thing. Um, yeah. But it's different <laughs> as they get older and they yeah. start to kind of like understand their peers mm-hmm. more and like really pay attention. Yeah. And, like it's my because son, they start to notice. Yes. And like, that's where son, it changes is the sweetest human in the world. He is just not a super athletic kid, which is fine. I am not a super athletic human. Um, My husband and I were not like big sports people. Like I ran and I was cheerleader, not great at it, but still. And, you know, he's just not. But like I've seen kids be like, like we were at Chuck E. Cheese and like I watched a kid like make fun of him for not being able to get like one of the Mm. little basketballs in. And I'm just like, God, like it starts – so young and then they start to internalize that stuff and like I'll see him be like I'm just not very good and I'm like I'm not very good at it like like there's lots of things that and it's part of that right and so when you're talking about writing books where like you see yourself it's you know it's 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 so important to be able for even in children's books and I see it more now like I see Mm -hmm. and I know yeah like Rachel knows what I'm talking about. Like I see more books now where kids can like see themselves and like we get, a, mm-hmm. I don't know if any, either of y'all, and this is like, it's related, have seen the ninja kids books and they're, it's like the emotional ninja or like the impatient ninja. And it's like different emotions oh. and different things. Um, but it's books like that and books like yours, where I think like it's so important to be able to see ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as we like, love to read a story about a woman who has 97 orgasms every time she has sex um it's the dream honestly the dream I mean but not really because that actually no. sounds like sounds exhausting it sounds, like, it sounds so exhausting yeah. like so exhausting or like when people are like we had sex all night I'm like that's like my nightmare but um yeah. I want like, to go please to no. uh, yeah. I'm tired like I love you but like now I want to roll over and read my book exactly. um, but it's just so important for everybody to be able to be seen in yeah. Yeah. whichever way. And I think it also broadens empathy. Like as much as yes. it's making people able to see themselves in, in romances that they have historically not. I have also um, really made it a project to write in a way that I hope is widely accessible to people and is seen as an invitation to have a new experience that broadens your empathy because um, just like what you're saying, like as important as it is for kids who don't feel seen or who are perceiving these, you know, these cultural norms um, and pressures, it is as important it is for them to feel seen. It's also important for these kids who are internalizing these cultural norms and pressures and perpetuating them to encounter challenges that needs to happen in children's literature in middle grade and YA. And yeah. if unfortunately they get to being adults and they have all this internalized bullshit from their culture, yeah. that yeah. this is a chance to unlearn that. Um, yeah. And I think it is our media matters. All forms mm-hmm. of art and entertainment reflect our society and they reaffirm our society or they challenge it. So one of my yeah. favorite quotes is Oscar Wilde, who was, you know, very eccentric playwright mm-hmm. and author mm-hmm. at the end of the um, 20th century. 
no, 19th century, excuse me, into the early 20th century. And he said, life imitates art much more than art imitates life. Yeah. And I believe that. Like, yeah. I believe that when we affirm and perpetuate harmful stereotypes mm-hmm. and stigmas and shames and othering in literature, I don't care if it's a air quote here, fluffy yeah. escape. It matters. Words it matter. Our stories matter. Mm-hmm. And if even one person in every 20 who picks up my book either gets to see themselves or gets to change their mind about something, about some preconceived notion they had, I count that a win yeah. because That's- I want to write stories that give people joy and, and entertainment, yes. but also don't perpetuate things that I that cannot is- such a good point. My email signature literally says, has my name on it. And then it says reading builds empathy is like Mm -hmm. part of my email signature because it is so important. I used to be a children's librarian and like I, with kind of the state of things in, in children's literature, especially, but, uh, and we kind of, uh, I know that we see it in adult literature as well, but it was, it's really big in children's literature. And, and it was always so important to me for my kids that I served to see themselves in books because, um, they Mm -hmm. did not, I served a population that did not see themselves in children's literature. Um, but then also like I would have parents that would obviously I'm like a white middle-class person. I would have parents that would reach out to me and be like, what do you think about this book? And I'm like, this does not look like my kids, but my personal children, but we own this book because they need to see that. Like they need to see it. It's important. And I think it's so important. We think about it a lot in like, oh, people need to hear their stories. People need to hear their stories. And that is 1000% true. But you also need to hear other people's stories. You need to hear people's stories that are not like you. Um, And that is so, so important. And I think we kind of, um, uh, there's been a lot of change in the romance genre. Um, but there still is a huge stigma around what romance is. Um, and and I think it's so great that we have authors now that are coming into the space and bookstreamers and book talkers and like, you know, people, there's tons of people that are coming in and saying, you know, this is what the space has been, but this is what it is now. And you need to accept that and, you know, kind of educate yourself on. But I think. Also, it's like in a way that sexual assault is shown now versus how it was shown even five years ago in books. Yeah. Um, And just like things that happened after Me Too where Mm -hmm. – and Rachel and I have talked about books that we read that were like written in like probably I would say like 2000 to 2016. Um, Some of them would not get written now that way it's kind of like (laughs) they don't age well but it's kind of like shows we watch right like I love the show friends but it is would never get made the same way now it I mean it just would not even how I met your mother which came on years later which I also love would never get made like the amount of like homophobia the amount of like body shaming I mean just Mm -hmm. these things like ways that we spoke to to and about women um or to and about anybody who wasn't a white perfect man. Um, yeah. It just, and that's, it just would not happen. And, yeah. you know, it's funny because like, I will hear like, I don't want to use the term boomers, but like um, <laughs> our parents' generation, uh, sure, I'm not sure. name names, talk about like, why is there, <laughs> why are they remaking all these things and making them so woke? 
So does he. Oh, and my God. Like, <laughs> and it's like, or maybe if you look at it from a different perspective, like, nobody was seeing themselves in these things. Like, yeah. You were catering to a really, yeah. You were catering to like a teeny, 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 tiny part of the population, and like, yes, Mm -hmm. when you broaden that, and you're like, okay, we want to cater to everybody, it's gonna look different, and it's gonna make you maybe a little uncomfortable, and that's okay because being uncomfortable is just your brain's way of learning something new and of being like, yeah. And I think it's that's a great. Like just a, it makes me think about this is that this, Hey, my cats are scratching my couch. Would you stop it, please? <laughs> Do you mind? I'm recording a podcast here. Awesome. Get with it. <laughs> um, like this, this notion of like, I just want escape. You can only truly escape if you have the privilege mm-hmm. of stepping away to that kind of escape. Like so many of us don't, it's like, I can be sitting and reading about nothing to do with me, but I'm still deeply aware of my body and yeah. my brain and what's going on. And like folks who deal with so much more in terms of systematic and systemic inequalities and inequities, like that's, you know. It's a I'm luxury not- to not want to think about it. Yeah. yeah. I, feel like fun. I, I think feel like- a lot of us have seen that a lot lately yeah. without going too deep. And it is yeah. a huge privilege. Yeah. To sit yeah. there and say, oh, I'm just, I just don't want to, I just don't want to think about it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to. These aren't like trauma. These aren't like trauma laden stories. Right. This is like, this is black joy. This is yeah. disabled joy. This yeah. is queer joy. And it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, there's going to be aspects of that journey sometimes that touch on a trauma sure. or a pain or yeah. a hurt or a mm-hmm. healing. And yeah. like, some of them not even. And just yeah. this idea of like, well, I can connect to it. Or like, I just want my stories to be escape. It's like, no, what you really want is you want a reflection of your incredibly privileged exact, experience. Yeah, exactly what you experience. Anything, like you were saying, Neely, that puts you in that uncomfortable zone of like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm I'm aware right now. I'm learning yeah. something. Yeah. I'm, I'm Everybody needs to be more uncomfortable. Like, let's just yeah. like call it what it is. And it's like in your reading, in your mm-hmm. if you only read about like you know, cis mm-hmm. people. Like if you're if you're only reading like one type of book yep. or watching one kind of show. Yeah. It's like right. reading one kind of news. You're you're just gonna get that yeah. one perspective. And it's not yeah. really gonna give you like yes, at the end of the day you're gonna <clears throat> hear what you want. It's like being sure in an echo chamber. But well, yeah. It's so important it's important to show our kids too that we're reading mm-hmm. other things because it's important for yeah. them to read other things and it's important yeah. for our brain to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Even if it is a spicy treat because that's what and I'll tell my can, kids. Listen, I'm absolutely. Absolutely. I only read, we know, my two, yeah. my two tiers of books that I read are spicy romance, celebrity memoir. Okay, I have no Love in between. It. Speaking of celebrity memoirs, sidebar, Britney Spears celebrity. I, when we talked about Rachel, our exciting books that we can't wait for for October, I left out Britney Spears memoir, and I oh, am sorry about that. I'm but, sorry. <laughs> um, a little nugget of information was released from it today, and if you guys haven't seen it, no, it was um, Justin Timberlake got her pregnant when she was 19 and forced her to have an abortion. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well. That took a very sad so, turn. 
it took a very sad turn, but um, Justin Timberlake is about to go the way of Ashton Kutcher, and he's going to – it's not going yeah. to be great for him when that book comes no. out in a couple weeks. Um, no. And what? just, I will do the Lord's work and I will read the book and report about it on Thank you. I appreciate um, that. Okay. Because I do love a celebrity memoir. But yes, yeah. all, all of that serious conversation to say, we are talking about spicy books when we say this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, not- and I love that. We always joke that my four-year-old's going to start an erotica book club in high school because, like, of what I have on my bookshelves and, like, I'm here for it. But, okay, that was a very important soapbox and I'm glad we got on it. Um, yeah. I I need to – I loved earlier that you said – because we're just kind of, like, taking – it's not a hard left, but it's a slight left. Um, we You described the Bergmans as uh, – like the Bridgertons, if you like. And that's the exactly how Rachel describes it to me. That is how I like, described it. Verbatim, exactly how. When and you I said haven't it, even I heard like, you describe that. I have never, I don't know if you've like, I don't know if that's how you. Expression. I was like, I don't know, Chloe, if that's how you normally describe it, but that is how I describe it to people. I'm like, okay, if you are looking in to get into like intro to romance and you watch maybe Bridgerton and you're like, oh, now I want to read some romance, um, but I want like modern day. Uh, I always say Bergman's are the modern day Bridgerton and you need to read this series. So how long do we have to wait before Bridgerton is back? I think I'm, it'll be soon. I, I think we'll get I it need soon-ish. it. I need Bridgerton yeah. in my life. Like, I was like, yeah. what's missing from my world? Well, it's Neely, you know what you should do? I know. Yeah. You should read the Bergmans. <laughs> I will read more of the Bergmans. But but what I also okay. need is, I guess I could audiobook them, too. I don't do a yeah, lot yeah. of audiobooks. I'm not very much an audiobook person because every time I've done an audiobook, I've massively not enjoyed the narrator and it's just like it like gives me the only time I enjoyed the narrator is that I read Barack Obama or I listened to Barack Obama's um memoir and he was the narrator and I was like and I was like you can read me anything we're gonna talk about audiobook narrators here in a minute but I need to know why do you think the family the Bergman family has become so beloved like why why was it the success that it has become? Well, um, I'm flattered that you say that. I mean, I think I've just been so close to the creation of the series that I haven't like, I mean, yeah, I know Berkeley picked them up for republication. Um, and that definitely feels like an affirmation. Um, and I'm really excited about that because it is going to make it so much easier for readers to find these books, particularly, yeah. you know, in a hard copy in libraries and in bookstores. Um, and then that's, you know, more people get to see themselves. Um, we've also redone the covers and there's really visible rep yeah. for the different conditions. We've got yeah. like a hearing aid. They're we've beautiful. Aid. We've got yeah. um, continuous glucose monitor. And mm-hmm. um, it's really important to me to get that visibility out there so um but our little 13 year old babysitter has a continuous well it's so funny because my best friend and like husband does do your kids did your kids ask about it no my but but my best friend's husband has one and she saw the cover um the new cover and she was like because i convinced her to read the bergmans because i convinced everybody to read the bergmans and um she was like it's it's as somebody with diabetes and she was so excited about it because that's their life and I just think that goes to show kind of well you know, speaking of just like representation um Liam saw Lily our babysitter's continuous glucose monitor and he was like what was that and I was like why don't you ask Lily? like 
ask yeah, her. Ask. Like, yeah. Just ask. And I think mm-hmm. part of what we were talking about, like, is taking that shame away from feeling like you can't yeah. ask somebody about their yeah. condition or their life. Like people yeah. want to tell people. So anyways, yeah. just throw it, just wanted to yeah. throw it in. But I mean, I, I, I think maybe what has made them, um, for the people who love the Berkmans, why I think they love them is because it's given them a family and, mm. um, and a safe place where they know they can count on <laughs> the Berkmans are <laughs> chaos and they they're are messy. mass chaos, but, but they try so hard to love yeah. each other well. And yeah. see each other and understand each other. And I think there's a lot of folks who carry pain from family past. Mm-hmm. Um, and that family is a really difficult thing for a lot of people. And I think yeah. just showing all the different ways that family is celebrated in that series from found family um, to, you know, um, just how different communities in your life can become your family. Um, and then you have healing in your actual family and then there's mm-hmm. being brought into a family when you have a romantic partnership. So I think I just I've tried to make a series that celebrates lots of different kinds of love and yeah. lots of different ways that we can belong. Um and all trying to make you laugh. Like I lean into physical comedy oh yeah. and, and and antics and playfulness and goofiness, but also like delving into feelings so that Sebastian please this cat. <laughs> the cat yeah. is named Sebastian. Yeah, he is. Uh, well, the, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> She's like, we'll talk okay. about the cats, I promise. Um, okay. Yeah. Like, I think it's just, I think the series is, it feels like a safe haven for people, which is what I wanted. Yeah. And um, and something that like, they can belong to. And, and I to. cackled at that reel you posted. Um, was it today or yesterday with the like falling in oh. the vacuum and you were like, yeah. this gives... Uh, yeah, Ollie. Yeah, yes. the one scares the crap out of the other sibling who's vacuuming. <laughs> sibling falls, starts sucking her sister's hair with the vacuum as retribution, and she tries to help her. Trips over the sofa, knocks everything off the coffee table. Like that oh is my literally. Gosh. It was hilarious. I live, I live to write yeah. that nonsense yeah. because yeah. I laugh. That's the stuff that makes me laugh. And like, you do it well. On TikTok for like, you know interesting takes or like book recommendations no i'm there to watch people trip and yeah. fall oh and i would have really enjoyed my daughter's soccer practice today one of the little girls went to kick the ball and literally like slipped over it and like flipped no. she was fine but i was like we yeah, loved i felt that did you did either of y'all either ever watch um america's funniest home videos that was no. my show oh that was my gosh to laugh Oh, well, that's so sad for you. My dad and I Just and my kidding. husband will still make my husband will still make fun of us because my dad and I would watch that every uh, Sunday. But then like it was always on reruns and stuff, too. And I keep Bob Saget, by the way. I know. I know. I tackle at every one of those videos they're so funny okay that was this total tangent anyway total my aside. husband will just send me videos like that from reddit that people because he's a big redditor. Uh, yes. yeah yeah whatever you call somebody that reddit i don't know um okay what are your feelings okay you have to tell us about your cat sebastian and then what are your I'm feelings as you him. okay yeah go I'm get him please like i want a cat so bad and brian's very allergic uh, Andrew and I are very allergic, and both of our kids are like dying for a cat. 
Oh my, I want a cat so bad. Hi. Okay, did the cat come first or did the the book come first? The cat came first. Oh, but okay, bye. The cat is, yeah, he's like, forget you. Yeah. Um, he's looking for his sister. And why I, I never she- want to have a cat. They seem so temperamental. They are. Well, but I am. And I feel yeah. like it just, like, well. Remember when I describe myself as moody? You're a Virgo, yeah. is that what you said? I'm a Virgo type A neurodivergent with yeah. all kinds of sensory things. So I'm as moody yeah, like, and temperamental as you get. Um, so the cat's so and I vibe. Yeah. I'm like, come here. I want to cuddle you. And then other times I'm like, get the Never mind. Honestly, bye. though, that's Don't kind of like breathe. my daughter. Like yeah. she is not – like my son is like a very big cuddler and my daughter is like snuggly on her own terms only. And like – Yes. Like she's not somebody I ever worry about getting taken advantage of because she is like a no means no yeah kid you know she like, for the consent yeah oh she is a like literally like little boys in her class will hug her and she's just like no i love i that. say you could but yeah, yeah so sebastian is named after sebastian lord saint vincent devil in winter and then his sister seraphina is named for the raycast by charlotte peckham meanwhile um, my mind just went to little mermaid because but yeah. yeah, I um I'd known for a while that I wanted to name a hero Sebastian. Mm-hmm. And um I, I almost was like, I don't know if I can do this because my cat's named Sebastian. But at the end of the day, I was like, I think I can push through. I have to do it. Yeah. I, mean, I came really close to naming my daughter what I'd named my car. And her dad was like, No. No. I was like, well, we can rename the car. He's like, I'm gonna look at my kid and think of my think car. About the what was the name? Eleanor. Oh, I oh. love that name. See, that's a good name, though. Yeah, you were gonna say something really like out of left field. I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's just, like a good name. I just yeah. always name my cars. Like, mm-hmm. I just have a thing about this. And my, Eleanor, my oldest bestie from the womb is named Eleanor, so it's a great name. Right. Eleanor yeah. Dashwood. She's just one of my favorite characters ever. Sense of sensibility. Sure. Yeah, and Emma Thompson yeah. plays her iconically. Yeah. So you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But That's okay, so Sebastian, the cat came first. What are your feelings? So we just had Ziggy and Sebastian's story. Uh, what are your feelings on wrapping up the Bergman series? Is it Vigo or Vigo? Vigo. Vigo. I pronounce everything wrong. Yeah. See, it's fine. Yeah. It's okay. That's, yeah. I mean, it's not wrong. It's just how I've said it is Vigo. Yeah. Okay. Um. So Vigo and Tallulah's story, I'm really happy with it. And I'm really glad that I got to do these bonus epilogues throughout all the Bergmans being republished through Berkeley um, because I really got to lean into the fun of an epilogue that I hope so you, like, you're talking earlier about that pressure, which I definitely felt um, to do a no, series. Not justice. to add more to it. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, <laughs> not so, to give I'm you more pressure, pressure, but. I'm not just wrapping up Ego's book. I'm wrapping up the series. Um, yeah. And there's, you know, a reason besides being a slow burn meanie that I made Vigo's book last. And that is because he is both simultaneously, he's like a little bit of, um, he's like the guy in Dante, you know, Dante's Inferno, who's like walking you through all the circles of hell. Like Vigo's been walking you through the book. He really has. Yes. And he's he's like a a bit of a go-between. He's a little bit me. He's a little bit the reader. It's very, he's the most meta character in the series. And I really wanted to um, then kind of take that from us in his last book and like really shove us into his perspective and be like, this is kind of what it is. Like there's a, 
there's a sort of quiet wrestling that Vigo has to do because he has to confront all these idealized ideas about romance versus the reality of what romance looks like in life and find the ways that his love of novels and romance as a genre does ring true for life. And yeah. then the other ways where he has to like take that risk and not want to rely on this formula to kind of protect him and guide him, but just to trust that like yeah, love comes in very unique, beautiful ways that don't um, always fit the formula. You know, gonna talk a little bit more about Vigo's book in our Patreon episode, and and we'll talk more about because I I love your kind of description of him kind of guiding us through the Bergmans because I think there's a lot of anticipation around his book, so we'll talk more about that. But um, okay, so your most recent series, The Wilmot Sisters, um, includes Shakespeare retellings, so you have. This new series, it's Shakespeare retellings. What made you, aside from the fact that we're just theater nerds and living our best life, uh, what made you decide to go that direction? Um, I was thinking about a unique hook for traditional publishing and just something that would be fun and fresh. And I've seen a lot of Austin retellings happening and being done very well. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, I know Shakespeare. And I was watching Much Ado About Nothing, the film version with Emma Thompson, who I just uh-huh. love her. I love Emma Thompson um, too. And yeah. I was just enjoying it so much. And I was like, oh my gosh, how fun would it be to really do like a modern take on this? So um, it was just kind of a combination of I wanted to have a strong hook for selling in traditional. I wanted to do something that engaged my intellect because I there's a lot that goes into, I think, the um, the decisions you make as you do oh, retellings huge. or reenactments, yeah. either yeah. stick with or depart from the source text and like how yeah. you're in conversation, like you're inherently in conversation with the text when you write a reimagining or retelling. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, this will be something different from the Bergmans where I'm just, you know, I'm building this world. I know these characters and it's just a world I built. Whereas with the Wilmots, it's like every book I read the Shakespeare play. I think about how mm-hmm. I tied it. Like, I read the character names. I think about like, I just have a lot of fun, like nerding out and playing. Um, so yeah, the first book, Chirog's Make a Right, came out last November. And that was a much ado retelling. It's basically like if Beatrice and Benedict found out really earlier on that their friends had all duped them into like recognizing their feelings and were just really pissed about it. And then yeah. decided to get revenge by fake dating, get every, getting everyone very invested in, in them and then breaking up. And then what just came out last week, Better Hate Than Never, is a childhood enemy's take on the taming of the shrew. So it kind of has like that Anne and Gilbert of Anne of Green Gables vibes of like resentment and like rivalry, but like always so much of their lives being intertwined together Mm -hmm. and seeing how they could not connect at certain parts in their life. But as they get older, realizing like, oh, we've just kind of held on to this animosity because we were really terrified to confront what else could happen between us because Mm -hmm. we're so different, because we have all this history. Um, So and it has lots of 10 things I hate about you Easter eggs because that is also love. a taming of the storytelling yep. and yep. iconic and I love it. Yeah. There and was like I a big, I feel like when that came out, there was like a big thing about retelling mm. Shakespeare in teen movies. Yeah. It was like, yeah. There was like a whole, was, they did Othello, but it was really terrible. Oh, I didn't see that one. It's called Othello. Oh, it's either. not good. They're basketball okay. players. Well, I'll, I'll skip it. They're basketball players. I, I know. It, it gives dark one tree hill oh Ooh. well you know yeah one tree Hill's then, already getting a little crazy for me so right and then yeah juliet's book will come out 
next, and I can't share details about it yet, except to say that the first chapter of her book is in the back of Better Hate Than Never, and you do get introduced to her and her love interest. Okay, I'm really excited because I am I am in the early stages right now of Two Wrongs Make a Right. Um, I'm listening to it on audio. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Um, but I am like, okay, so you get Juliet in the beginning of that. I mean, I'm in the I'm in the beginning of the book. I'm in like the first, you know, like twenty percent. Um, and and I'm like, okay, but I know there's going to be a Juliet book, so I'm like, what's happening here because she gets engaged at the very beginning of two wrongs make a right anyway it's fabulous but i was it was i was reading it and i was like okay i know um we've got jamie and i'm like but it's not benedict and then his middle name's benedict and i was like that i loved that you got creative with the names too because i was like i was like this is not the right name and then we we got the right name but anyway Um, okay, so I want to know first. I want to know what your favorite Shakespeare retelling is, like either book, movie. We talked about ten things I hate about you. Maybe that's it. Um, and then I also want to know more about because I I do a lot of audiobooks. Neely doesn't do so many audiobooks, but what do you get any say in the narrator? And then like, what's kind of the audiobook process like for you? Um, I do get say in the narrator, but my first would be, yeah, 10 Things I Hate About You is my favorite retelling. Um, I mean, it's so good. Favorite, yeah, my favorite adaptation, like that's not maybe necessarily retelling is I love the Much Ado film. Like, I think it's so good and it really brings the play to now life. I need with, to watch with, it. I've never seen it. Oh my gosh. I know. Okay. So good. Um, And then in terms of audiobooks and narrators, I'm very picky. But they really yeah. can make like the experience. They um, can. And it's so, so cool because, and he's been open about this, so I'm not like sharing anything that he's not okay with it. Um, the narrator Stephen Dexter, who reads Jamie and also reads Christopher in Better Hate Than Never, I stuck with the same narrator because yeah. I feel like then they know the story world and the secondary characters, and I really like it. Yeah. Um, he reached out to me after he finished recording Two Wrongs Make a Right, and he's like, I have recorded hundreds of romance audiobooks and have never connected with the male character that I read the way I connected with Jamie because oh, I like, love that. My, and I've grown up with compulsions and just seeing like how he's yeah. like his his anxiety like bore out yeah. um it's like it was just amazing so he was like so kind and he was just like sh- shouting about my book and it was he's like I know you might want to switch up narrators but if you don't I really love to keep reading the series and I was just like I was a mess. I was just like crying. I, I like, love I that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really happy with the narrators. I think Charlotte North has like great spunk and mm-hmm. and pizzazz. She's a really good reader yeah. for BS. I'm I'm really happy with them. And then for the Bergmans, I love their narrators too. Carly Robbins is just amazing, and Nelson Hobbs too. Like they both have such great range, and they both really. Um, what I liked about them when I was sifting through my options was how well they really um, emote and like really yeah. capture the nuance of feeling and how they speak and how much emotion comes through and how they narrate. So I'm yeah. I'm happy with all my audiobook narrators and yeah. I'm because it really I'm does happy. make or break. I feel like you sometimes you'll start listening to an audiobook and you're like, nope, can't do oh, that. Yeah. Can't do that real quick. I know like yeah. right away. I know within, right like, away immediately. Yeah. 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 Okay. The mm-hmm. audiobook narrator, did he, what was his name again? 
um, for Two Wrongs Make a Right. Yeah. Stephen Dexter. Stephen Dexter. Did he know that he was OCD before? Yes, he did. Okay, okay. Um, and then he just ended up connecting he'd never with been it. able to, like, really just never seen someone like him. I was love that. I love that. I am also diagnosed OCD, so I um, totally relate to that. And I love that he just saw himself in it. I know. I know. Um, okay, it's awesome. All right, so which – so speaking of, this is a great segue. Uh, which of your characters do you most relate to? Oh, that's so tricky because honestly, I think for my mental <laughs> – health. I try to make sure there's plenty about each character that I write that is not me. Um, yeah. But I do, of course, like put little little nuggets of myself in each one of my characters. Um, I I like to say that Vigo's like my id. <laughs> he's okay. like the unrestrained part of me. <laughs> yeah, like he's all the things I don't like. I want to say, but I don't, and just all the the risks <laughs> and, and just all the this sort of unrestrained joy and passion for what he loves and what he wants for like, um, there's something that Sebastian says to Vigo at the end of his and Ziggy's book where he says like, you carry everyone in your heart mm. and that has to be a lot of real yeah. estate and that's yeah. really overwhelming. And that's how I feel. Like if I love you, you are with me. I carry yeah. you. I think about you. Your pain is my pain. Your mm-hmm. triumphs are my triumphs. Like I feel so deeply and I love so deeply. And that's really draining and hard. And I yeah. want to like, I want things to be okay for the people I love and I want to fix it. Yeah. And I want to, I want to help them. And sometimes I can't. It and can be exhausting. Just that wrestling, that yeah. wrestling with empathizing so deeply and then also mm-hmm. recognizing how important it is something that, you know, just recent years of therapy like I've really had to work on I'm just like yeah. how do I just stay with people in the unfixable pain mm, and in mm-hmm. the hard parts um, mm-hmm. so probably Vigo is like me in that way but honestly you know there's something in each of these characters that um I've explored and definitely probably more my autistic characters right so between Frankie yeah, and Ankle and Ziggy mm-hmm. yeah there's definitely been aspects of myself and my neurodivergence that I've poured into their experience um so, yeah, but I, I love and connect with all my characters in some way. Yeah. Yeah. You got to put a little bit of yourself in there. But. Yeah. And I think with the Wilmot sisters too, like I, I've been thinking about this, you know, I kind of like broke parts of myself up into each of them. Like Bea mm-hmm. in, in the first book is this connection to her heart and her art. Like yeah. when her heart is hurting, her art really, she su- it suffers and she can't keep yes. doing it. With yeah. Kate and Better Hate Than Never, it's just this fire and heartbreak for wanting the world to be better and wanting to do what she can to create change and to heal and like just carrying that sense of knowing that sometimes you come across as like blunt or sharp mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. And you get shamed and you get told to be quiet and you told you yep. you're, you're making too much noise as a woman you know these mm-hmm. messages and then mm-hmm. with Juliet's story I can't get into too too much but I have said it in some Q&A so it's out there like she's she goes through heartbreak. You'll figure yeah. this out by the end of Two Wrongs Maker, right? And at like Vigo, she's a romantic. And so as yeah. someone who is learning to pick up the pieces of her idealism and settle yeah. into the reality of realism and how can she still hold on to what she loves about love stories and romance and happily ever afters, can she rediscover that and reclaim that and feel safe to pursue love again? Because that's yeah. um, it's definitely been part of my journey is mm. having that happily ever after come crashing down and then trying to find a way forward to not be just petrified of yeah. messing up again or falling apart or getting hurt and, and taking that risk. So I've definitely yeah. 
definitely poured plenty of myself into the Wilmots too. <laughs> I love that. Um, All right, Nina, so you want to ask how this? has yes? Um, how has Bookstagram, TikTok, Book Talk made a difference um, in spreading love for your books? I don't know. I I think I I think Bookstagram probably did most of the legwork mostly because that's when I was beginning the series was TikTok did not exist, which I sound so yeah. old to say this, but <laughs> I know. Um, listen, I've definitely seen, I think I've gotten some boosts through TikTok, but I've definitely not been one of those authors who like went viral because of it. And I'm not really surprised because I think in general, what, what's going to go viral on TikTok is what's going to have like mass appeal. And I yeah. don't think something that's confronting so many aspects of mass agreed upon culture and way of life is going yeah, to kind be of that uncomfortable we've been talking about uh-huh. yeah. So it's yeah. Like, oh wait it's got people who like are going to make me think about these things and feel yeah. these things i don't want to think i just yeah. want like, i just want like a growly man throwing a woman around and giving her 15 orgasms and i'm not saying yeah. everything that's gone viral on tiktok is that reductive i'm right. not saying that at all but I think there's, you know, if you look at what's gone viral on TikTok, it's it's generally white and it's generally mm-hmm. heteronormative and it's generally pretty traditional gendered um, profiles and tropes. So I yeah, think, yeah, I, I, I never, when I saw what TikTok was and what was happening with BookTok, I was never like, oh man, this is going to be my this big break. This is me, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I am... I recognize though that already I have the privilege though in that TikTok does way more for white authors again because of all this bias you know that it is this is a much deeper frustration for authors of color Mm -hmm. um, and uh especially the intersections of identities of chronic illness and BIPOC or disabled and BIPOC and queer and BIPOC like there's a lot more that that that's not getting amplified for them in terms of the book talk world um and and to a degree to bookstagram but honestly what i just tried to focus on in both of those spaces um, and even Reddit too. It's funny, like I've heard about like Reddit threads where there's like a Bergman Discord or something or Slack chat. Like these are Aww. people who are putting their time and their energy into sharing when they've connected with my work and telling other people. And that's emotional and mental labor. And it means a lot to me. And I'm always, it's like back to the thing before we started recording. You're like, how do you say your last name? I'm like, <laughs> people are yeah. saying my name. I'm grateful. Yeah. So doesn't matter. So I, I focus on that. I, I I truly do feel grateful to every reader who's who's been part of that journey. Yeah. What authors have inspired this journey for you? Oh well, I honestly think like Tally Hibbert and Helen Huang were like my pillars. Mm-hmm first starting because get a life chloe brown like changed my life it was the first yeah. time i saw someone with chronic pain and joint issues yeah and i just cried through the whole thing and then mm-hmm. i realized i was neurodivergent because i read the kiss quotient i was like really wait, wait. I oh my gosh it's like that they just didn't <laughs> I love um, that. and i ended up getting like my evaluation and my diagnosis mm-hmm. and emailing mm-hmm. helen and just it took me a year uh, to find my courage but i finally did yeah. she emailed back and she was so kind and so supportive and like just an angel so Helen and Talia absolutely inspire me um but then honestly too I I fell into historical romance reading early in pandemic and I fell in love with Tessa Dare and she often Mm -hmm. writes disability and like mental health um like navigating mental health journeys and just the way she marries humor 
with emotional tenderness and sexiness and longing and intimacy. Like she, every time I finish a Tessa Dare book, and I have unfortunately read everything she's written at this point. So Ugh, the worst, but it's okay. Yeah. I just <laughs> so inspired to to level up and do more and grow. Um, I just yeah. I think she's a fantastic writer. Um, and then Allison Cochran too. She's mm. newer, um, mm-hmm. but just two books: The Charm Offensive and Kiss Her Once for Me. Um, they're gorgeous, really foregrounding mental health, but um, and not but and also just really affirming and hopeful and loving and and really romantic. I just I'm always ready for her stuff. And then last but not least, yeah. Anita Kelly. I love their work too because again, that's that same line of like a little bit of humor and like sexiness and incredible tenderness and just embracing human realities and yeah. affirming. That it I have their in- first book. What's the name of it? Um, um, love and other disasters. I really yes. enjoyed that one, but I have to say, I somehow loved even more something. Is it something wild, wild, and, wild and wonderful? Yes. yes. Okay. My bookshelf. Yeah. Um, it is so good. Like okay. I, I'm it, excited. Have you read Cheryl Strayed's Wild or watched the movie? I know the movie. Okay, it's like that, but queer. And it's so moving. Oh, wait, okay, the Reese Witherspoon movie. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Okay. Like, no, I haven't. And they're oh, oh, I loved it so much. Okay, I love it. Right. But yeah, I'm excited. So, yeah. the question that we like to ask everybody, like the very last question, is what is a have to read book you always recommend to people? Oh, that's so tough. Um, it, only one. Uh huh. you can give us multiple people give multiple okay i'll I'll try to keep it under control okay get a life chloe brown by tally hibbert that Um, that whole series is uh, i mean get a life chloe brown and then kiss quotient were two of the first kind of romance books i read um as an adult and both phenomenal so you have great taste thank you (laughs) yeah you're welcome get a life chloe brown um I honestly think the charm offensive is just so amazing. Um, and then I would say I have to throw in a historical romance, and that would be The Duchess Steel by Tessa Dare and talk about a gorgeous audiobook. Um, but mm. it is that is a story I have reread that three times now, I think, and yeah. I'm I'm itching to reread it again, but I have books I need to read for blurbs yeah. and like I need to finish writing. And, but yeah. that that little mass market paperback up there. It's just mm, siren song it. all day long. It. <laughs> um, it, is, it is so, it's the book that when people are like, I don't like historical romance. I'm like, you read that book Here and you then go. you tell me if you don't like yeah. historical romance. And, and then, I then talk like, to me about it. Truly, I have think at least 10 people I have converted with that book. Okay, well, I'll be sliding into your DMs um, in you know a week or oh. so. So and just let you know how I feel. Yeah. Okay, do. the next part of our interview, we do a rapid fire this or that. So well, this is just like off the top of your head. Yeah, just get ready, get pumped. Um, Neely, do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? Sure, I'll start. Uh, soccer okay. with Willa or soccer with Ollie? Uh, Ollie. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, or Gavin. I feel like soccer with Gavin. Um, okay, Shakespeare original or Shakespeare retelling? Shakespeare retelling. Okay. Single parent or forbidden romance? 
forbidden romance. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, this is a pick your praise. Ready? Uh, good girl or – oh, I said eyes on me, but I meant look at me. Good girl or look at me? Good girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's that's me. I wrote my phrase. first good girl in Better Hate Than Never, and the noise that left me because I didn't know it was going to happen. I'm like I writing this good girl moment, and I, I wrote him it. saying "good girl," and I was like, ah! I like squawked in my living room. Okay, <laughs> but can we just talk for a second about um about Ziggy saying "good boy"? Oh yeah, that's true. Because you wrote a good girl maybe first, or the first time you wrote good girl was in Better Hate Than Ever, but you wrote good boy before that, and all of us were like, excuse? Excuse? What? I mean, what she deserved. I mean, honestly, she did. It was so good. Um, okay, our review of the week this week is um, from okay. The, these y'all y'all put some weird ass names on your Apple podcast, which is fine. I'm here for it. But um, this is from friend of Team Gale. I don't know. That's what the name was. So if okay. that's you, please DM us. Um, we've got some book mail. Well, not book mail. Like happy mail coming. It's not a book. <laughs> But we've got some happy mail like, coming for you. Don't get excited. You. It's not a book. Don't get that excited. It's great mail, but it's not a book. Um, and so the review of the week, it says, safe space for smut lovers, which I love. Um, thank you for the lovely conversation. So if you are a friend of Team Gale, please DM us. Uh, we will send you some happy mail. And then, Chloe, now is the time where we whore ourselves out. So please tell yeah. us where can people find you? Oh, okay. Well, you can find my website, which is chloelisa.com. And there I have the links to all my socials, but I predominantly am on Instagram. I also encourage you to sign up for my newsletter because I don't send it very often. I send it like quarterly, but it's chock full of things when I do. When I do, (laughs) but when I do, I usually include giveaways and freebies and like bonus. I love a newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, don't do it very often, but I really do try to make it like, here's updates on what's going on with my career. So my new books on your radar. And I always try to uplift someone else's book to give you some chance to get a freebie at something or enter a giveaway. Cause you know, I know we're not all made of money here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my website is probably the best place to start cause it has everything. So just Chloe L I E S E. Yeah. Perfect. You can all right. Find- and then you can find, Oh, Go yeah, for can it, you? Where can we find it? Yeah. You can find our podcast at Smut Show Podcast on Instagram. We have Patreon. We are on Facebook and Threads. We're we're everywhere. And you can find me everywhere at Neelykins, except for TikTok, where I'm Neely Moldvian. And you can find me everywhere at Rachel underscore M Lewis. Um, and Chloe, thank you so much for coming on. We are about yes. to do a Patreon bonus episode with Chloe. So if you are not a Patreon member, then plug for our Patreon. Um, and y'all are awesome. Go Smutcho besties. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye.